what to do and how to manage and sort and purge and organize and keep your house from not exploding at the seams with kids' toys is a top five question, especially when it comes to keeping your home tidy and organized. But it's really not just their toys, right? It's all of the other items that our kids bring into the home and cherish forever, like their rock collection or the sticks that they find at the park, the paper crown that they decorated at the history museum, the little art projects that they made at summer camp, and our house It's also a collection of live, actual goose feathers. Um, It's the ribbons awarded from swim lessons, the free pencils from the dentist, that toy that uh, comes with a million pieces that was gifted for your kid's birthday party, and I could go on and on and on. So today, we're going to talk about all of it and what to do and how to do it so you don't run through your house with a big black trash bag while your kids go back to school in the upcoming weeks. But if you do that too, that's perfectly okay because I see you. You're listening to episode 87 of The Raw and the Cooked. I'm your host, Dara Boxer, and today we're going to dis- discuss back to school toy clutter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Raw and the Cooked, a weekly podcast that provides simple routines around the home, plus raw and honest book reviews. My name is Dara. I'm a Midwestern stay-at-home mom to three young kids, and I thrive on simplicity. There is so much to say on this topic, especially if you're in the thick of it with babies, toddlers, and little kids, because again, it's not just their toys. It's their sporting equipment, their outdoor gear, their individual and unique hobbies that all bring in various items, books, stuffed animals, little art projects, collections of X, Y, and Z. And it's a lot to keep organized and manage, right? Especially right now, as we head into the back to school season, summer is hectic and really has its own unique energy to it. And you've probably collected a bunch of random things things from your summer travels, art projects from your kids' summer camps, gifts from friends and family that have just piled up. And the point is that now, like right now, back to school is a fantastic time to reset all of those spaces that you have in your home. And even if you're listening to this episode, not in real time, just know that there's never a wrong time to tackle this. Though I personally find that natural breaks with the rhythm of the school year tends to be one of my favorites. I like to do a big declutter and purge and like reorganization at the start of school, um, winter break, spring break, and then again in the summertime. I just feel like those are like really good natural rhythms to the year. Okay. So all of it, all of the managing and the organizing and the purging is seriously a part-time job, or at least it's a task that needs to be addressed every so often. Um, but there's also a beauty to it because it's just simply a part of raising little children and we get the opportunity to do it. So let's take a moment and in an important step in this journey, let's shift our perspective. Let's shift our mindset um, because decluttering and simplifying our space is not a burden, nor should we look at it as a chore. This is an opportunity. And I think we need to approach it with grace and with a joyful heart. And honestly, uh, this doesn't just apply to every single item our kids bring into our home. This is also a mindset that should be applied when we declutter our own items too, right? Like when we switch over our wardrobes with the shifting seasons or clean out the garage or cleaning out the fridge. Like this is just a part of life. It's part of the human condition and it's an absolute gift that we're alive. And today we get to do this. All right. (laughs) So now that you've gotten your mini Zen for the day, let's begin, right? 
We're going to specifically focus on indoor kid items, like their toys, stuffed animals, books, art projects, and just random trash. Like sometimes it's like literal trash, right? That they collect and covet. Um, specifically, um, just items found in our children's play spaces and bedrooms, because these are typically the spaces that get totally out of control if we don't stay on top of it. I'm going to walk you through some management tips, um, purging encouragement, and strategies. And this will piggyback off of episode 26 that talked about toy rotation around the holiday season. Okay, so let's first start with, I think the most important, uh, it's not really a rule, just like the most important, I don't know, whatever you would call it, um, when it comes to the management of all the things, um, it's setting boundaries. And this is going to look different for everyone and their own unique space and setup. But it's also like how you want a room to feel like, like it's not just boundaries. It's, it's like, like physically, like how much space do you actually have, right? Like what kind of storage do you have and where does it make sense to store art supplies, board games, books, toys? And of course I'm going to run you through what our current home setup looks like. So you sort of have like a general sense of what I mean. And so for our home, for example, we have a playroom on our lower level that's like purely focused on play and around a large nine by 12 area rug, we have a play kitchen, a dollhouse, a low bookshelf for toys, a nugget couch, a crate to house all those stuffed animals. We have a piano, four oversized chairs for adults to sit and supervise. And that's kind of it. Like the room isn't huge, um, though it feels cozy and complete. And also, um, like one wall is entirely um, composed of double sliding glass doors that leads to like a walkout patio um, and a, like a little miniature backyard with all the kid things. But I'm not going to touch on outside toys on this episode. But anyway, uh, the reason um, that I'm you know sort of giving my own personal playroom as an example is because like it doesn't feel too crazy, nor is it bursting with kid toys um, because I've set boundaries. Um, on our low bookshelf, we have like three baskets on the top shelf um, in the cubby holes. One is sort of for each child, though it's not like exclusively theirs as like all toys and communal spaces are for sharing. So the first basket is filled with dollhouse furniture and dollhouse dolls, dollhouse animals, like anything dollhouse related. Basket two is filled with like just random toy animals, like toy sharks and baby toys. And just, I don't know, like all this stuff that doesn't really, really have a real house, but it just like gets shoved in a basket. And basket three is filled with like wooden train track pieces, trains, matchbox cars, like anything like with wheels that that can move. Um, And on the bottom shelf of that particular bookcase, we have a couple of toddler games. We have a xylophone for the baby, a basket of wooden blocks, and like a kid's tool set. And that's kind of it. Like that is it. And I used to have 12 by 12 by 12 inch cubes that fit perfectly in the cubby holes on that you know, just mentioned bookshelf. Um, but I found that 12 by 12 by 12 is like way too deep and just items felt really lost and abandoned in there. Like you, it was just, you couldn't really see what was in there. And so I ended up getting baskets with six inch depth instead. That way, like, first of all, they can't get too full. Um, it's also easy to see what's in there when you're like looking at the bookshelf and that encourages the kids to pull them out and play, um, Whereas before it was a bit of like out of sight, out of mind. So just making a small adjustment to like the size of the basket made a huge difference for us, which sounds really silly, but I don't know. Sometimes it's the small things, you know, and another boundary I set is that I only keep out two toddler games that I trust my kids to play with on their own slash like 
if they dump all the pieces out, like they're easy to collect and, and what have you. Um, I'm a really big stickler for not losing like cards and game pieces with board games. So our like more in advanced uh, games like Candyland, Hi Ho Cherio, like um, you know Kerplunk, all those games. Those are stored in an upstairs closet. As like losing pieces would be really sad, and I just found it like too stressful when they would like dump everything out, and then we would like it was just annoying. So anyway, so instead we all play together and we all put away the pieces when we're done. So for me, that's a boundary. Like I do not want to play Candyland and find out that I'm missing like a third of the cards. Like that would just like kill me. So for me, like that's a boundary. Okay. So back to our playroom, we have a huge crate that houses all of our stuffed animals. Um, and it's easy just to like toss them back in when they're scattered all over the house. Um, our nugget couch stays folded up in the corner of the room unless it's in use. And the play kitchen works nicely because it holds all of the play food and utensils. And so even if my kids dump out every basket on the floor and every single stuffed animal and everything from the play kitchen, it really couldn't take us more than like 10 minutes tops to sort and tidy up everything. And since our current new house is on the smaller side, one of my toddlers usually ends up playing down there in the playroom for quiet time while the other one goes up to the top floor in the bedroom um, for quiet time. And more often than not, when I tidy up the lower level at the end of the day, I find that entire worlds have been created. It's so beautiful. It's so great. Um, which I do want to touch upon later is because more is not always more, right? Like like less is more when it comes to toys. I feel like it encourages imagination and like actual play and it like takes away that overwhelm, which again, we'll talk about um, after we finish up the large and in charge boundary section. Um, so another boundary that you can set is to kindly let your friends and family know that you're into consumable gifts. When they ask you what to get your kids for their birthday or for a visit, and again, like when we have our friends and family come visit us, they always want to know what we can get. They can get the kids. And we always tell them consumable goods like sticker books, chalk, bubbles, crayons, arts and crafts stuff, right? Like consumable gifts are amazing uh, because when they're done, you can just toss them and they don't have to live in your home permanently. Uh, we also really like experience gifts. Like if someone were to like a gift our children, like a, a day at like, let's say a fun children's museum or a day doing whatever. Um, although I can understand that that's quite boring to a toddler. Um, for my friend's daughter's fifth birthday, I actually bought their whole family uh, a, a gift card for a day at a really well-loved children's science museum uh, in their area and giving her the gift card with a coupon, right? Like instead of like opening up like an actual gift, uh, she's a little confused and it didn't go over super well, but... <laughs> I know that the mom appreciated it, right? Because it's like one more thing she doesn't have to like manage at home and it's an experience. So I don't know, whatever. Um, so another boundary I set um, is for their books. Um, my toddlers have a small bookcase in their room and more times than not, it just gets really overstuffed and books just end up piled on the floor next to the bookcase and it kind of drives me crazy. And since you really can't read all 45 books that you own at once, we decided to just start rotating them as often as they wanted, um, but we're only going to keep as many books as will fit nicely in the bookcase, and the rest gets rotated. And same for our baby's room. He has two small, like those Ikea floating bookshelves that like hold books. Um, and maybe you could fit like, I don't know, 10 board books at most. And we have a lot more than 10 baby board books, so we rotate them and it's like not a big deal. 
And chances are that you have a lot more toys than your physical boundary allow. And that is where toy rotations come into play. Um, so packing half of it up, maybe a third of it up in, into a bin and rotating it out every few weeks, every few months, whatever works for you. And I promise your kids will not miss it. Another boundary I set is for our arts and crafts, like our art supplies. Um, and this, you know, at your home could definitely depend on your tolerance for mess or how much you trust your kids not to destroy your furniture if they get into it unsupervised. Um, we keep our art supplies in a closet on a low shelf so that the kids can access it themselves, but the rule is that they always need to ask first, um, and they need to sit at either the kitchen counter and do crafts or outside on our deck. Um, so we keep a colored, a bucket of colored construction paper, watercolors, those chunky art pens, um, crayons, kid scissors, and glue. So they can kind of like, you know, do whatever, but again, like they need to ask permission before they get into the art supplies. Um, and so speaking of artwork, because I know if you have small kids, you get a ton of influx of kids artwork. Um, so go back and listen to episode 67, which answers the age old question of what do I do with all of my children's artwork? But again, um, you know, if you don't feel like listening, the bottom line is like, you're going to rotate it and you're going to toss out the rest, right? Okay. And sometimes we're gifted huge items that take up a lot of space. Um, they're, you know, kids' toys, I feel like, are just enormous. Like, then there are so many you, you could get gifted. Just, I mean, it, it is limitless what you can, you can receive and buy and accumulate over the years as they age and whatever. Um, and sometimes, you know, I feel like a lot of times these like physically humongous items like train tables, art easels, like those ride on cars and ride on bikes and just what have you, it, it can sometimes restrict open play. Um, so some of my favorite examples for us is our dollhouse and our train table. And more often than not, I find that my daughter grabs dollhouse furniture and her dolls and plays with them in different areas other than the actual dollhouse itself. Um, for now it works in the room. So I'm just going to leave it, but it's something to really consider. Like if you don't have the space, like what can you actually get rid of? Um, another example that like sort of breaks my heart, um, is my son's train table. It's just bulky. And 98% of the time he comes up with way cooler and more imaginative track ideas for his trains. If he builds on the carpet near his train track basket, as opposed to like using the actual train table. And on our recent downsizing earlier this summer, there just was not room for it at all. Like at all. It wasn't even going to remotely work. So it's currently sitting in storage and like, who am I kidding? I might as well just donate it and get it out of my house because again, I just feel like he plays a lot better without it. And the third example is just our art easel. Like my kids never used it. It took up a huge amount of space. And so we donated it. And my point is, is like to let you know that you don't necessarily have to keep these huge items. Um, if they're just simply not working out or don't be afraid to keep pieces and components of a toy, but not the whole thing. Like another example, we were gifted this really beautiful wooden puzzle box that had really cute wooden animals that you were supposed to like push through holes. Um, it was really difficult and complicated for my kids to use. Um, it just caused a lot of frustration. Like the puzzle box itself was kind of big and bulky. So I ended up throwing it away, but we kept the wooden animals because they loved playing with them. Um, and you know, same goes for like all of the, the play kitchen items. Like I love our play kitchen. 
it's fantastic. And it also does a really excellent job of like nicely storing all the play food and like the plates and the fake pots and the serving ware and whatever. Um, it also doesn't take up a huge amount of space. So I'm happy, but like, let me tell you when we first got a play kitchen, um, we were gifted so many play food items and sets and kits and whatever. There's so many kitchen items, uh, which is amazing. Like there's so much love there, right? With grandparents, but sometimes it's just too much and some pieces worked really well and like others didn't. Um, so we kind of picked and choose when I say we, I, I really mean me, right? Like a set of felt vegetables was great, but we didn't need the like 10 forks and knives that it came with because we got that from the felt fruit set that we got, or, you know, this looks really nice, but we like, you know, can only take, maybe let's keep two of the forks. Cause we don't need 16 wooden forks, right? Like it's okay to mix and match and, you know, take what you like and leave the rest. Just take a few pieces from a particular gift. And again, just toss the rest. And I can't tell you how many times I've done that. Um, another boundary is that I only want enough play food in my play kitchen that will fit nicely inside because if there are any more items, like there's just like, there's nowhere else for it to go. So like the, it's, that's a physical boundary. If like the play kitchen, like whatever cannot like whatever doesn't have a home when we put it away in the play kitchen inside like the shelves inside like the little like uh oven and uh, like under the sink cabinet like that's it like there like there is just no more room so we pick and choose what works and what we play with and you know what have you it's great so before we move on to upcycling, toy rotation, and relocating items i do you want to make one more important point about boundary setting if your kids are like mine, they hoard things and covet like literal trash uh, that can break in three minutes, like those birthday party favor gifts or stuff from like a doctor's office or just like random things that they get at school, like those like plastic junkie items, right? So each of my toddlers um, has what we've dubbed their special drawer. Uh, so they they share an eight drawer dresser in their shared bedrooms. They each have four drawers, three are dedicated for their clothing, and one is solely for their special things that otherwise wouldn't have a home and that they like don't want the other one to like really play with, right? I would personally love to throw everything away, uh, but they're able to do what they like with it. So my son has like his rock collection in that drawer, the macaroni necklace he made at preschool, a pair of poorly made binoculars, like literal goose feathers that he found on neighborhood walks. I'm just gonna like pause to swallow my vomit. It's so disgusting. Um, all the paper airplanes that he and my husband have crafted, uh, ribbons from swim class. Um, my daughter's looks like that, but times like a hundred because she is a literal hoarder, but she knows that if that drawer gets too full, we are going to have to pick and choose what's important and we have to toss some of the items to make room for more. So that's another physical boundary that can really work wonders if you're like wondering what to do with like all of the like stuff that just you don't really want. Just maybe you could give them a like a little box or a little pouch or a little something where they can hold like keep all those like small items. Um, and honestly, like after these trash items are put into their drawers, they sometimes move on and forget about it in a few weeks anyway. So if you do happen to like go in there and like toss it, they're probably not going to notice. 
Okay. So our living room is on the main floor with our kitchen and our dining room. And it's where we spend a lot of time. Um, so I want to ensure that my kids have like really excellent toys to play with here. Um, which brings me to my next point, which is to focus heavily on toys that are open-ended. Um, so the best type of toys are creative toys that inspire imaginative play. Um, that's how kids excel. That's how they learn. That's how they grow. And examples of toys that inspire open play are like magnetiles, wooden blocks, uh, play kitchen, Legos, connects, Lincoln logs, trains, cars, dolls, stuffed animals, and dress up costumes. I also find that these types of toys, like all three of my kids can play together and they do it really well. I mean, the baby is still a baby, of course, but the big kids love setting up magnetile castles for him to destroy or tall tower of blocks for him to knock down. It's really cute. Um, so in our living room, we have a crate of magnetiles, a basket of wooden blocks, a basket of baby toys, and another basket of little animals and matchbox cars. And there's also a pickler triangle that we have and many times we'll set up forts. It's just so fun. But again, the point is that I don't want any more in the living room because I also want to limit the cleanup and the mess uh, to five minutes or less, especially in the morning times. And I don't feel bad for how little there is in our living room. Like in fact, the opposite to popular belief that kids play better and more creativity uh, shines through with less options available to them. Uh, and if you don't believe me, try it. Um, before we moved, we packed up almost everything in the living room except for that one crate of magnetiles, and they played for hours with it. Like, it's actually kind of incredible to watch. Okay, so we're moving on to upcycling. And every once in a while, I will need to go through the baskets and sort of like resort, maybe throw away a few random things because my God, they come home with so many junky prizes from Hebrew school. And a lot of the times I find that their special drawer items in the living room slash baskets, they just like magically get overfilled with new things like matchbox cars, which I swear breed overnight or like little plastic animals or like whatever it may be. Like I like to upcycle certain toys and give them new purpose. Maybe these toys will get thrown into our outdoor adventure bag for playgrounds and splash pads. Um, and I don't have to care if they get lost or left behind. Uh, maybe they'll become our sandbox toys or they'll go to our outdoor water table. Maybe they will be new toys for the bath. I love upcycling. Like outdoor toys simply get gross after like one or two seasons. It's just a fact of life. So rotating the stuff you no longer want to see in their indoor toy baskets can be moved and upcycled to the great outdoors. I also talked about relocation in episode 26, and in addition to upcycling, I really like to relocate items around the house. It's really amazing how effective that can also be for giving toys like a brand new breath of fresh air. An example is our pickler triangle, which sat ignored for like six months in our old house. It was just like on the loft in between the kids' bedrooms. Um, it was a great space, by the way, but it was just ignored there. Um, but now in our new home, I moved it into our living room and I keep folded blankets on it, which sort of inspires the kids to turn it into a fort or turn the triangle into a cave. Sometimes it's a horse. I don't know. It's just fun. And now it's played with every single day. Um, swapping a toy basket location, right? Maybe switch the doll items with the dress-up clothes or switch magnetiles with wooden blocks. Like endless location options. Play around with it and see what sticks. Again, you would be surprised by how simple one little switch can make. And 
I wanted to also say that even if you do the best job decluttering and organizing your kids' toys and art supplies, items simply have a magical way of coming back in through your home. It just happens. It's the nature of children. So please don't feel discouraged if you find yourself having to like edit an area again and again and again every few weeks or months. It's life. Uh, it's a joy to get to do this. And if this is your very first or second attempt at decluttering your kids' items, just know that it can definitely be overwhelming. But once you've pared it down to the basics and gotten a handle on your physical space, every subsequent time that you do this, it just goes a little bit faster and you can sort of like look at it as a regular routine maintenance that doesn't require like an actual commitment. And also I believe it's important to note that our current setup has shifted and grown and evolved probably 500 times since our oldest daughter was born because there's no other choice, right? Like your kids grow and so do their interests and their toys and, you know, younger siblings come into play and it's perfectly okay to have to stop and reevaluate as many times as it takes. And even then, when you think that you have it all set, it'll shift again and again and again until our kids leave our nest. So this episode is getting really long, but I'm just here for the encouragement and the love and the support and to let you know that you've got this. My kids go back to school tomorrow. I am so excited. It's going to be great. And I already have a black trash bag in mind. I'm going to walk around the house as slowly as it takes and just toss things, move things around. It's going to be amazing. Um, so yeah, there, there you have it back to school, toy clutter, reorganization, relocation, upcycling the works. And yeah, it's just a new season. And I hope you guys are looking forward to fall as much as I am. I don't care how basic that sounds. So thank you for tuning in today and I'll see you back here next week.